0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Welcome to the Seattle Mariners Baseball Podcast.
2: Diving beat mean, stop singer! Toss on up the first in time to get seven. Three run Homer! Fernando Abad and the Mariners lead it five to four. Goodbye, baseball. Straight away, center field can Owen Cruz go back to back? And the King, when the Mariners needed him the most, two hits over seven scoreless innings.
1: Now here's your host, Gary Hill. Welcome back to the Seattle Mariners Baseball Podcast. Gary Hill back with you. Thanks for being here once again as it has been a tough 24 hours considering the two games against the Philadelphia Phillies and then uh, the news, the finale that Drew Smiley will not be returning this season. In fact, he's going to be out for a while. Tommy John surgery for Smiley. So it's it's a tough 48 hours when you look at what has happened the last couple of days. Off day today, and probably a good time for it, is the Mariners will look to regroup and head out on the road. The last road trip before the All-Star break. It's a brief one, just three games against the Angels, but at this point, every game's important when and the winning streaks of any significance, losing streaks of any significance, and it swings wildly uh, where you sit in terms of the wild card. It's still the same scenario where the Mariners in the thicket with a bunch of teams in the American League right now, three games behind the Minnesota Twins now for the second wild card. Twins have been going back and forth with Tampa and the three games this weekend. I mean the Angels right there as well despite missing Mike Trout. Hard to believe 42 and 40 two games above 500. You have the Rangers right there 53939, 39. the Royals 3838, 38, 38. Baltimore 3839 and the Mariners 39 and 41, Toronto 37 and 40. So Mariners have now lost four in a row but a couple games, so well, like yesterday, a game they were they were right there. They had a lead going into the ninth and just couldn't put it away, and had plenty of opportunities along the way. Let's turn it back to the first game of the series, though, where the Mariners. Had a lead 2-0 in the third inning against Philadelphia with James Paxton on the hill.
2: Here comes the first pitch to Segura. He swings, rifles his high, right center field, tailing, twisting back to the wall, gone. Opposite field home run, Gene Segura, his fifth of the season, and two runs just might be enough. But the Mariners take an early 2 nothing lead. Boy, at that
1: time, with the way Paxson was going, you thought that that could stand with the way he was dealing. But Nola was pretty good, too. He goes seven, gives up two. Paxton gets the loss, ends up going seven and allowing three. The Phillies tied it in the fifth with two, and then they went to work on the Mariners' bullpen. Zick gave up the go-ahead. Diaz came in, coughed up four, and the Phillies won in the seventh, one in the eighth, four in the ninth to put it away. They win game one of the series, eight to two, and the Mariners just couldn't get much going at all against Noel, who ends up pitching well. Their bullpen puts it away, and the Phillies win game one of the series, eight to two. Now, game two, you had Felix on the hill against Mark Leiter, rookie, just a couple of starts under his belt. Felix, I think you take this start. Six innings, three run ball, pitched well. Mariners, some opportunities along the way, although they did play long ball
2: swing and a well hit ball deep to right field glad he had to swing away goodbye baseball Kyle Seeger with his ninth home run of the season it's a one run ball game. It's now the Phillies three and the Mariners two. Here's the 2 2 to Danny. Swing and a fly ball deep to left field. Tie game 3 3. And this one is in the upper deck about five rows back. Straight away left field. Danny Valencia with his eighth home run of the season. Skies one way out of here. This ball game is tied at three. Holy smokes. 3 2. Swing and a fly ball deep into the gap. In right center field. Going going goodbye baseball. Robbie Cano, don't you know, unties this game. Cano with his 14th home run of the season. Right center field. It's now the Mariners four and the Phillies three.
1: Seager, Valencia, Cano all go deep in the ball game, but uh, again, opportunities go by the wayside. They couldn't add on to their lead. They took a one-run lead into the ninth, but again, Diaz struggles and gives up a couple of runs, and the Phillies end up taking the lead and winning the ball game five to four. So they break out the mini brooms and sweep aside the Mariners in a two-game series.
3: Baseball's a great game, but in many days it can be very cruel. Uh, you can't uh, you gotta get get all 27 outs, and then today we had a tough time, obviously. Um, you know, in the ninth inning, I thought uh, you know Felix got better as the game went along. Uh, you know, have to you know, struggle a little bit in the third, give up the home run, and then got out of it with the the bases loaded double play. But I thought he really kind of, you know, regathered and, and got us, you know, deep, giving us six innings, you know, three runs. Uh, pretty good, pretty good effort by him. Uh, you know, offensively, not a ton. We got some uh, middle lineup guys. Uh, you know, cruisy driving in a run, homers from Seager and Cano were great. Valencia absolutely smoked that ball. And you know, I think from. You know, late in the third inning to the ninth, we didn't give up a hit. So, um, unfortunately, like I said, you got to get all 27 outs, and you know, just uh, you know, Eddie made some mistakes today in in executing and and uh, pitch selection, and you know, and just not a good day. But uh, um, and, uh, certainly hurt as well. So, uh, disappointing uh, two game series here with Philadelphia. Um, it had been we had been playing better, and, and certainly. Um, you know, didn't put enough separation uh, from us and them today to, to give us uh, much of a breather. But, you know, one-run game, the lead the ninth, Eddie Diaz out there. You usually feel pretty good about that. He just, you know, made a bad pitch today.
2: Any field thoughts a carryover from last night for Eddie?
3: Oh, I, I don't think so. Uh, I think as much, you know, the stuff was fine. Um, didn't probably get in the right spots. And, like I said, pitch selection today, uh, you know, just uh, wasn't, wasn't on top of this game.
4: You mentioned good selection. He was very, very heavy on the fastball. Were you kind of disappointed to
3: see that? Yeah, I thought he had opportunities to uh, to put some guys away uh, with the slider. Um, decided not to go with it and then you know uh, made some mistakes with the fastball. Um, you know, If he's trying to go up, you got to get it up. And he didn't do that. I left it in the middle of the plate to Joseph and, and I think the, the pitch to Knapp was, was in the middle of the plate as well. So um, again, uh, it's the life of a closer. Uh, you can be on top of the world and you know, when you don't get it done, there's no worse feeling of letting your teammates down. So, um, you know, uh, it happens. Um, it's it's. Uh, we need to bounce back in a hurry. Uh, we've got a big series over in, in Anaheim, and we need to get after it over there.
4: But this isn't like the last time when he struggled and you guys you had to pull him from the roll?
3: Oh, I think you know last time I think you know mechanically the ball was just all over the place, and I I didn't really feel that way today. Uh, again, you know. After the home run, he got the two strikeouts and then the walk, you know, which then led to the balk and then you know the, the go-ahead single. So, you know, there were some other things that, that got in the way today, uh, but you know, we'll see. Um, Eddie's uh, he's got electric stuff, and uh, but you know, in that role, you know, you've, you've got to lock it down and just didn't didn't get it done today.
5: You're going to need Felix going forward. You like what you're seeing there.
3: I do. Like I said, I thought early in the game, um, you know, I knew that probably wasn't going to have the adrenaline rush he had his first time back. Um, but I thought after, you know, he gave up the runs, he, he did dial it up a little bit. I, I thought the stuff was a little bit sharper, crisper. Um, and, you know, getting us, uh, you know, through six innings was was big today. I thought it was going to be enough with a, with a, you know, fresh bullpen down there. And, you know, threw the ball well. We just didn't execute in the ninth inning.
5: How far do you think?
3: Well, uh, if you'd asked me that in the second inning, I would have said quite a wise away. But, like I said, he, he did write uh, his ship a little bit and, and turn up the intensity. You could see the changeup had better depth to it later in the game, and all of his stuff really got better as the game went along. So, you know, that is, you know, the competitor that Felix is. And, and uh, you know, give up three in a day game, not feeling so great. But, you know, he turned it up. Our offense got going, which which gave him a little energy as well.
6: Scott, obviously anyone can beat anyone in this league, but when you're at home going up against a team with the worst record in the major, compound the feeling at all to feel like you let something get away? I
3: think you answered your own question. Anybody can eat, beat anybody in this league. Yeah, you know, it, it happens. Um, we certainly uh, need to play better. We're not playing good right now, and it doesn't matter who you're playing in the league. If you're not on top of your game, you're going to struggle. You know, um, but uh, you know, we should have played better. If we didn't get it done. There's not much else you can say, uh, but anybody can beat anybody in this league in given day. Friday night, if there's a safe situation, is Eddie going out there? You know, uh, I would assume so, yes. Yeah, it's uh, that's kind of how we're how we're built, and, and there's going to be times when he does give it up, and yeah, that's the uh, the roller coaster ride that that seat you get in when you sit in that seat. But uh, Eddie got great stuff. He's got to execute better. He's got to get get it tightened up a little bit, and we'll go from there.
7: We just tried to weight, and you know, I missed down and in, and he was ready for that foul. But you know, everybody knows what happened.
2: I think that was a good pitch.
7: No, no. I was, I was trying to go down and away, and I missed the location completely. I, the ball run to his back, down and in, and you know.
5: He used a lot of fastballs today. You're not feeling the slider as
3: much
7: as maybe. I threw pretty good sliders. You know, the strike him out, and you know, I just tried to tack him with the fastball and try to get out with my fastball today.
3: With the bulk, were you just rushing in that at bat?
7: No, I just wanna. I just was thinking he would call another pitch. You know, I was ready for another pitch, and he called another one, and I was in my mind for the, next other, the other pitch I wanted, and I just tried to get set, and when he called, he didn't call that pitch, I I just moved my body. First training, you know, I hadn't really gone. It wasn't good. I mean, I'm trying to walk out for the, you know, early game, you know, and then they woke me on the, the homer, and after that I was more aggressive. I was pound strike on a little bit better. Now I'm excited with the curveball. The curveball was the first inning I hadn't any curveball. And then after that, just, we go from there.
4: You're two starts back. Are you, do you feel like you're in a Felix like, rhythm?
7: No, no, yeah, not today. I mean, last start, yes, so that was better. I and mean, this one, my um, first three I was in the rhythm. But after that, you know, I feel more comfortable and I was more aggressive on the some. Felix with the injury to dream and now having
0: surgery. Is that place even more pressure
7: Yeah, man, it's tough, man. It's tough for him. It's brand new for him, you know. We just got to go out there and compete against anybody. So, I mean, it's not pressure at all, but we just got to do our job.
1: Big series coming up this weekend against the Angels as the Mariners will try and get back on track and try and uh, continue to climb the ladder in the American League. Kruk, who was in town, the Phillies were here, and he had a very – well, Aaron Goldsmith and and John Kruk talk about – one of the more famous uh, Mariner moments, all-star
8: moments that had to do with John Cruck and Randy Johnson. John, welcome to Seattle. Welcome to Safeco Field, a rare visit for you and the Phillies. Your first time here at our ballpark. What are your impressions? I
0: think it's the first time I've ever been in Seattle, so it, it, I love it. City's beautiful. Reminds me a lot of uh, when I played in AAA in Vancouver. Uh, beautiful city. Ballpark is amazing. I love it. Anytime you can have a retractable roof and you or not is it called a roof? Yeah. I don't know what it's called, but uh,
8: you know, no rainouts. This is this would be an unbelievable place to play, John. Whenever we hear your name or see you, we immediately think of the All Star Game in 1993. You versus Randy Johnson. It was one of the um, really one of the more iconic, defining moments in All Star Game history. If you don't mind, can you take us through each picture that at bat? It was one of the more entertaining.
0: Well, well I didn't really see any of them. John, the correct-
2: Fanning himself off, Johnson <laughs> has had pitches clocked at as much as 102 miles per hour in Major League play.
0: Yeah, that's a scary dude, man.
2: Now that
4: this ball uh, obviously just getting away from him, but watch the reaction of John Cruck. Would you say his heart is palpitating a bit?
0: You know, I kind of figured something was going to happen, but
4: <laughs> look at the next step. I don't blame John one bit on his right leg.
0: Pudge Rodriguez was catching and. You know, he told me, he said, hey, have some fun.
4: <laughs> well, he bailed
2: out again at the breaking He game. wants no part of Randy Johnson. None. No. this kind no, of
4: response? I don't think so.
8: You know,
0: everyone said, well, how would you have done if it was a regular season game? I said, I, I wouldn't have found out. It would have been an off day. So, um, yeah, that was, it was interesting, though. I mean, it's an exhibition game. It's supposed to be fun, right? Johnson works a one, two, three inning. I I, I tell people, you know, when when I face Nolan Ryan and Dwight Gooden, when they're in their lineup, there's like a surge of energy that goes through your body. And that's when you're standing in the batter's box because, you you know, they throw so hard. Uh, You know, anything can happen. But I I, I never had it sitting in the dugout. But I I had it that day when Randy pitches, sitting there watching him. You know, that surge of energy comes through. You're like, oh, my
8: gosh, he could kill someone if he hit him. That same All-Star game, this was at Camden Yards in Baltimore. Ken Griffey Jr. had one of the most iconic swings, one of the most iconic home runs in the home run derby over Utah Street. It actually hit the warehouse.
4: Oh,
2: oh. (laughs) holy cow. That may have hit the warehouse, and they announced it did. (laughs) That may have damaged the warehouse.
8: <laughs> what are your memories of that home run derby in junior in particular?
0: Well, it's not like it is now where, you know, they have seats out there and you can't hardly see anything because of all the people that are, you know, they pull the seats in front of the dugout. So, we, you know, uh, the, the National League dugout that particular time was uh, on a third base site, so we got a good view of it. But, you know, when that ball left the ballpark, you kind of had a feeling it would hit the warehouse out there, but you couldn't see it. Uh, you know then they showed the replay on the board and it was like I mean you gotta be I mean it you know it and, and the thing is it was an effortless swing just like his swings during games it wasn't that violent you know swing and your hat falls off and you're falling on the ground it was just a typical
8: Ken Griffey swing John it's great to have you here in Seattle thank you so much for the time yeah no problem I wish we could stay longer and now Rick Riz sits down
1: with James Paxton.
5: Special guest is Mariner starting pitcher James Paxton. And James, uh, you've been a pitcher for a long time and doing a great job in the big leagues. Kid comes up to you and says, Mr. Paxton, I want to be a pitcher. What does it take to be a good pitcher, James, at pretty much any level? You
6: know, I'd say the biggest thing is repeating your delivery. Um, being able to repeat your delivery allows you to throw those other pitches, those breaking balls and the changeup, and also with your location. If you're not throwing the baseball the same way every time, you can't repeat and, and hit spots. Yeah.
5: You got to find that right release point. A hitter has a swing and timing, and the pitcher, I would imagine, has the same thing with that windup. How does a pitcher find that comfortable and the right windup for them? Because you worked with that over the last couple of years.
6: Yeah, you know, it takes time. And, it, you know, baseball is a constant search. You're, you're searching for that uh, that proper l- release point. And, uh, you know, one drill that uh, Coach did with me in the minor leagues to find my natural release point was uh, having me feel the ground ball. Yeah. And uh, I'd feel that backhand and then get rid of it um, as quick as I could. And wherever you get rid of the ball through that arm slot, that is your natural arm slot.
5: So that's how you found where you've been Throwing the baseball the last couple of years. Exactly, yep. That's where I found it. The age-old question, James, is uh, when should a kid start throwing a curveball? I know it's got to be different for a lot of kids, but when was that the right time for you?
6: You know, I think the right time is around that 14, 15 age. I think before that, um, just fastball location and learning a changeup. You know, I would suggest learning a changeup as soon as you can because a changeup is a huge pitch. And uh, if you can get comfortable with throwing a changeup at a young age and keep that going, it's really going to help you in your, uh, your later years as a pitcher.
5: I know this is radio, but how do you throw your changeup and uh, how, how much do you back off your fastball with a changeup?
6: I throw my changeup a circle change, you know, just a pretty classic circle change. And the trick with a changeup is throwing it just like your fastball. You can't take away any arm speed because hitters swing at your arm speed. So you want to have the exact same uh, arm speed as your fastball. I had a coach once tell me, how hard do you throw your fastball? Oh, you know, I'm about 95. How, how hard do you throw your change up? Oh, it's usually like 86, 87. He's like, no, you throw your, you throw your change up 95. <laughs> so I'm thinking fastball. comes through yeah. the exact same arm slot, and then it's just a little bit slower because of the grip, not because of anything else. You pitch every
5: five days, but you put in a lot of work in between. Tell the kids, tell the coaches, what do you do between starts?
6: Well, I get my workouts in. You know, I'll do the day after I pitch is a leg workout. And uh, then the day after that, I'll do um, my bullpen. That's my bullpen day. And then I'll do an upper body workout. The day after that is uh, part is a uh, core workout. Yeah. And each day I'll do cardio. You know, the day after I'll do uh, 30 minutes on the bike. And then I'll do the next day 30 minutes on the elliptical The next day is a sprint day for me. I'll do 10, like, kind of long stride sprints, and then uh, I'll take a day off, and then I'll pitch again.
5: There's a mental side of this game, especially pitching, because the hitters up there making adjustments to you. You're constantly making adjustments. What happens before the ball game? Talk about a game plan. Uh, How do you put together a game plan for the Houston Astros or any other team that you're going to face that particular night?
6: Uh, you know what I do is a few days after I pitch, I'll look at who I'm facing next and I'll go through videos. They have an uh, app for us that we go through and they put videos on there for us of the team facing ourselves and also uh, other, for me, left-handed pitchers, other, other left-handed pitchers. And I'll watch how the hitters approach that, what their swings look like against uh, those pitchers and make a game plan. They'll also look at the numbers and their heat maps and see where they hit the ball best. And uh, then I'll kind of formulate a plan Go over it with uh, Z and Stott uh, before the game on game day, and then we'll kind of put together our game plan for that day.
5: The best advice for kids, for you and anybody else, but especially for the youngsters, go out there and throw strikes.
6: Throw strikes, have fun, and uh, you know, just find that comfortable release point and uh, just enjoy competing. What's the best part of the job for you? Getting to come to the ballpark every day, talk to people like you. <laughs>
5: Well, thanks a lot. Best part of my day, talking to people like you, especially here on Rick's Tips. James, thanks a lot for the visit. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me.
4: Cheney Field, home of the Waldorf Little League, Enjoy Coca-Cola, proclaims signs at the entrance to the five small baseball fields with a dirt parking lot in their midst. This is baseball at the bottom line, simple, unadorned, economical, every penny counted, but perfectly satisfactory. If you're a kid and you want to play baseball, here it is. But no come on, no frills. A foul ball can reach the railroad tracks. A forest of electrical transformers, the town's power source, looms above the old trees. The infields are hard, baked, dirt full of pebbles, but no rocks or glass. The outfields are splotchy grass, but green. The waist-high cyclone fences surrounding the fields have no fancy distance markers. There are no lights. Get finished by sundown. The chalk scoreboards aren't used. The bleachers are half full when they hold a dozen parents. This is word-of-mouth baseball. What inning is it? What's a score? Who's winning, a player asks his mother in quick succession. And he's the pitcher. Coach. Pleads an 11-year-old whose back is barely big enough to contain the uniform words Ken Dixon, Chevrolet, Buick, Honda. Somebody's gotta help me, Scott just filled my batting helmet with dirt. This is partly baseball, but mostly growing up, mostly one of those few remaining places where everybody gathers to pass on the tribe's collective sense of itself. That's Thomas Boswell's writing from How Life Imitates the World Series.